Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Everybody and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you this evening? Doing good, Shad. Uh, doing good, Candy Cane. <laughs> Candy Cane, yeah. Um, we'll get into that in just a minute. We want to say thank you, first of all, everybody out there joining us for this episode. We'll get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarandElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C Corners Capital PM Podcast to save ten percent off your order. Uh, you know we're recording this just the week before Halloween, which means that the uh, holiday seasons are just around the corner. Got stuff coming up. You want to give someone a nice comfy shirt? They'll appreciate how comfy it is. Get you some collar and elbow for them. Uh, other shout out that I have for you, folks in Eastern Kentucky are still trying to rebuild after the just massive flooding. Um, I went uh, a while back. I may have said this before. I went and worked on a house. And when I say I went and worked on a house, uh, helping clean it out, I was taking drywall and insulation out 42 inches up off the floor on the second floor of the house. That's how deep it got in some areas. And it's not even near the river where a lot of this happened. Um, they're still rebuilding, so if you would like to help in some way, uh, Appalachian Apparel is doing a flood relief fund. Appalachian Apparel is located right in the center of where this happened, and they are doing really good work with it. Or if you want to donate directly, I'm going to say go through AppleShop, A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P dot org. Um, if you don't want to donate them to them directly, they're going to have people, good people to donate to with those shout outs taken care of. We're going to pass the ball to Matt. Uh, that would go to uh, Orlando Cologne. He might be known as black sheep. He's there. He's forming a tag team with his partner, <laughs> mama's boy. Primo. <laughs> and he but, would never, never play any sort of sick, twisted prank on a CB radio. So he would never run a foul of uh, evil psycho truckers. Yes. And Ra would be doing better than a 1.6. <laughs> Matt, that sounds like a segue. It is a segue. <laughs> Brad, what are we doing tonight? So, uh, we haven't done a movie review in a while and we, Shadow's like, so are we doing a, we doing a scary movie for Halloween this year? And he had a suggestion for us, which surprised me because that's not really Shad's, um, genre. Really, yeah. But he picked a B-movie from the early 2000s called Joyride. Uh, Joyride, uh, oddly enough, written and produced by J.J. Abrams, starring Paul Walker, Steve Zahn, Lily Sobieski, and uncredited role, but uh, Ted Levine, or Levine, I'm not sure which one he does. Was she a great big fat person? 
Yeah. She's a great big fat person. <laughs> Would you? That's a, oh my god, Matt, that the was in the basket. <laughs> you know what? Hey, Brad. Yeah. I, I sometimes get in a mood for it, and I will turn on uh, silence exclamation point the, the musical. musical. Yes. <laughs> Put the lotion in the basket. Put you the know, lotion in the basket. I ruined. I ruined. <laughs> I ruined Monk for my wife because I pointed out that that was Buffalo Bill was the chief was Buffalo Bill. Yeah. yeah. You can't like unhear it once he uh once no, you. No, you can't. That. He has no. a very distinctive voice. Yeah. Yes, he does. So um, I recommended this because as far as I guess suspense thriller scary movies go, this is my favorite because it is. Um, it's one of those that for the the whole course of the movie, like it's just unplausible enough to be a movie, but just plausible enough that it, it makes you anxious is is the line it seems to walk. And it keeps I a really certain level of play. it keeps a certain level of tension throughout, even the way they do some shots and stuff is uh-huh. um, a little unpleasant at times. Like a good a good scene is when the when the the sheriff deputy is talking to them and like it's kind of uncomfortably like close on his face. Yeah, because with the implication that he's getting in their face and he's doing this and it's not pleasant, and then he's fiddling with this toothpick the whole time. They're like, "Well, what happened?" And he uses the they're in Wyoming. He uses the phrase, "It wasn't comely," and you're just like, he says it in a way that you're just kind of like, "Ew." Yeah. But that that fits the scene. Yeah. Um okay, so let, uh who who'd like to kind of just do an overview recap or whatever. So essentially this is um Paul Walker's character bails his brother out for was it just drunk and disorderly? Yeah. Drunk and he's disorderly. on the way home from uh he's on the way home from college. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I'm they so they start so he they get a CB radio. And they start listening to these truck drivers, and then they play a prank on this guy called Rusty Nail. And they tell him that they, they pretend to be this hot girl and convince him to go to this hotel room that has uh, this guy that they had an unpleasant encounter with at the hotel earlier. Um, that guy turns up dead, and then essentially um, Rusty Nail pretty much spends the rest of the movie haunting them. Does, does the guy actually turn up dead? Because I feel no. like... He survived. It's just that you saw the the glimpse of him He's in the not hospital, dead. and he has like no lower jaw. Yeah. Okay. That's that's correct, Matt. He's not dead. I I want to let's start before we. Okay. Well, I guess we're still. Are we going to work through it? Because I have. Yeah, I, have I didn't want to. I didn't. We'll I go didn't, however you want to do it. I didn't want to give you, away like the the later plot points till we got there. Okay. Because I I just found it confusing why like they even were like playing this prank like it seemed like steve zahn like wanted to play the prank and paul walker did not i believe they played uh, the prank because steve zahn is a knucklehead in this movie he's yeah. really just knucklehead where it's like everything that basically happened to them started off like unnecessarily in the sense that like he didn't have to play the prank like yeah. if he had never played the prank because it was a dumb prank then nothing that flowed from that really should have happened or could have happened. And I understand it's like disproportionate response because yeah. the guy's like a psycho, but rusty nail. Yeah. 
but it just seems like a dumb and you're you're and you're like what you're gonna fool him by think by paul walker being like hi hi i'm candy cane it's like no no one would be fooled by that <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you're yeah steve it's you've got that brother dynamic where steve zahn's older brother character is harassing his younger brother into doing something for the lulls and um and i i think it just ends up ha- it picks because rusty nail is a lonely dude mm-hmm. and him having a, a lonely very uh unhinged individual and playing the prank on him just pushes him over the edge well i thought um I thought Paul Walker and Steve Zahn had a really good chemistry on screen. Like, they did the brother dynamic very well. Mm-hmm. I, I agree Paul, with that. Paul Walker, by the way, he I think he was, like, in his... Looking at the timeline, I think he was probably, like, in his late 20s. He looks so young. Yes, he does. I was like... I, could, I had to keep looking, because I'm like, that... Like, Chad said this is Paul Walker. That can't be Paul Walker. Yeah. I, he, was, I, he was 28. Okay. So he's 28... He was 28 in this, but and he's playing like a college kid. But mm-hmm. it's like yeah. he he believably looks like a college kid. And yeah, like, you could maybe even pass for like a 20 year old college kid. Like he looks really really young at points in this. So it was good casting. Now here, let's flip it first. Lily Sobieski, who they they the whole catalyst for the drive across the country is that there was the girl from high school that Paul Walker's character was always sweet on, but never made a move. She's talking to him from college. They're like from New Jersey and he's in California and she's in Colorado and she's like, oh, we could drive back together. And he refunds his plane ticket and then buys a cheap piece of junk car. She's 17. He, oh, he's 28. Yeah. It, Lily Sobieski, when they filmed this movie, was 17. Uh, wow, that's pretty young. I yeah. f- forgot that – this is sad. Like, I forgot that Lily Sobieski like, existed. Cause like she, what for like a time I felt like she was in like everything, mm-hmm. or it seemed like she was in a lot of movies or TV shows or whatever that was out there like around this time period, which is the early, the early aughts. Um, yeah. But then I think she she seemed like to just drop off the face of the planet. There's a lot and of there's a lot she of took herself that, out of acting. Well, there's a lot of people that did that though, like that whole. That whole crowd around like American Pie and Road Trip and a lot of those um teen early 20 comedies like that were in a bunch of movies all crapped out at the same time too mm. well like sobieski consciously was like i just don't want to do this anymore but brad you brought up road trip there's a road trip offshoot euro trip we were talking before the show came on the air matt brought up justified and tim gutterson is played by the the buddy from euro trip <laughs> So just fun to bring it back around. Yeah, uh, Brad, you're right. She she had kids, mm-hmm. and then basically like basically stopped kind of stopped acting. And she's just art now, I guess. But yeah, she got married, had a couple kids, and like yeah, I guess she did an interview down the road where she people were like, well, why why did you stop? And she's like, well, I just had kids, and I'm more focused on that now. Which is like that kind of having a small child. It's like yeah, it, it takes a lot of your time. Well, and think, if you don't, if you don't have to work, you probably can't. You don't have to. I mean, LA is not I'm conducive sh- to children either. Because I mean, was that Mark Wahlberg that just said he's moving to 
Las Vegas because he can't handle L.A. anymore. I think I, that's right. I don't know if that sounds like plausible. Yeah, I think you're right about that one, Brad. I I didn't know where he was moving to, but I did hear about Mark Wahlberg moving out of L.A. So, anyway, um, you, you mentioned Zahn's character is being honestly, a, he's a knucklehead. He's a screw up. And he's the one that get, it it goes even further than him getting Paul Walker to play the prank. Cause he's the one that installs the CB mm-hmm. and which sets all this in motion. Um, so they play this prank to, to have him meet the guy, this massive a-hole of a guy in this hotel. And so Rusty Nail Jackson rips his lower jaw off and leaves him in a high in an interstate median. And they get chewed out by the sheriff uh, to get out of town and stuff. And there's this great scene where they're 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 filling up because they're out of gas. Brad, I think you you were talking about that one, weren't you? Yeah. So they um the guy leaves his Mastercard behind when he pays, and this guy's trying to give it back to them, and they freak out and they like go into the field, and the guy like pulls up and he's like, "Hey, you forgot your Mastercard." It's important because he's driving – he's a truck driver, Yeah, this guy. He's driving an ice uh, truck. He's driving an ice truck. And so they, they think, yeah. Yeah, oh, my God, this is like much rusty. He's coming to get us. Well, it plays, in, it like plays a, in late. It plays in at the end of the movie too. It does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But this guy's just like a good Samaritan. He's like – because he's calling out the, the Steve Zahn's name or – it's Steve Zahn, right? He's calling out his name and – Steve Zahn is like trying to act brave, where it's like, you know, so we have a gun, we're gonna we're gonna shoot you, and it's like, he just wants to return his Mastercard. And I love it, that line. He's like, we got a gun, we got a gun. And he knocks on the window, and goes, and I got a Mastercard. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, this is this is where I think um, I think this is where the movie is does some good things and it excels at. So they're in this field, and you know something's gonna happen. Yeah. Because because that's just how these movies work. But where where I think this movie really where this director really makes some good decisions is they sit on it just long enough that you you just start to drop your guard. Yeah, because they kind of because then they they get out of the car and they're like they're just taking a pee on the side of the road and you start to think, okay well, maybe they're okay, And then the the ice truck gets plowed through by a semi. Yeah, Yeah. a large like Peterbilt semi. It's like the. Imagine the biggest semi you can possibly imagine. It's it's like that yeah. big. It's a. Uh, I looked it up. They apparently it's the same type of truck that was used uh, as the as the truck uh, in the live action Transformers. Oh yeah, so the... Optimus Prime. It's based on. This <laughs> well, you know, you know what's funny is I made the joke earlier today because you never see Rusty Nail, and I said actually I think what happened is they pissed Optimus Prime off, and Roller was the one doing all the. <laughs> the other stuff the murdering and beatings and kidnappings <laughs> so they um so they they so it's you pretty much get a car chase scene they get stuck kind of on a tree root and get like in a rut and they get stuck and rusty nail kind of starts crushing them against this tree and they're like no no you know we're sorry we're sorry it was just a joke and then he's like oh well i was just fooling too and he completely goes away so they think they're safe yeah Meanwhile, it's like it was established, or at least 
I guess it never was never really established, but it was heavily implied that Rusty Neal like literally ripped a dude's jaw off. Yeah, and according to the sheriff, the guy was like clinging to life barely. So it's mm-hmm. like you get you got whatever happened to this guy. Like he was almost murdered. Maybe he died later. I don't know. And it's like Rusty Neal is gonna be like ah like ah. The double finger guns. Ah, I got you. <laughs> I was no, just messing with you, man. Yeah, I'd be like running away. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I rip guys' jaws off all the time. It's a funny, ha ha. Ha. But it's and, like oh, so you... later losers. I got hookers to kill. <laughs> that's that's probably not far off from Rusty, to be honest with. With the what little characterization we get from it, that's. Yeah, that would that probably be Rusty Nail right there. Yeah, so, um, so they end up, so they um they think they're safe. They go meet up with the girl. Um, they also chuck the CB. <laughs> yeah, because you know they realize they were messed around. So the one th- one the one scene where I thought um, Steve Zahn's character showed like he wasn't a total fuck up is they kind of start getting into it in a bar with these locals. Steve Zahn kind of like makes his own scene and gets them the fuck out of there. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's cagey. He's not particularly smart, but he's clever. Yeah. So then they go back to the hotel. They're just kind of doing whatever. And then, um, Rusty Nail gives Paul Walker's character a bit of a call. He's like, Hey, I see you're with a girl. Who's the pretty girl. Yeah. And, and they start freaking out all over again. Yeah. So then, this part I don't quite remember. So he said he kidnapped her friend. Yeah. Whenever they picked, um, they picked Lily Sobieski up. Her roommate was talking to her. She had this little roommate named I think it was Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte. In a little convertible. And she's like, and they're like, and Steve Zahn's like, oh, you're coming with us, right? And she's like, no, I'm going back to wherever she was going to. So they, they established that she was, they established that she was there and she had a name. So you could be fair certain she was going to be a victim later. Um, and you know, they're driving away from the, uh, the hotel where Rusty found them and he had painted on the road signs, look in your trunk, but not like on one it's look next sign in yeah. your trunk. And they look and their CB is back in their trunk. And so they hook it back up, and that's where they hear about uh, he's got Charlotte. And they're like, oh, oh, crap, we don't know what to do now. Yeah, so then this ends up with them in a cornfield, and um, then the other girl gets kidnapped while they're in the cornfield, and their car gets set on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of where I feel like the movie starts to fall apart a bit, in okay. my opinion. So. You get, a, you get a bunch of scenes of um, pretty much Rusty Nail tying her up, and it's them kind of getting back to the hotel, and, um, fuck. Wasn't it a different hotel? Yeah. Yeah. That Rusty Nail has uh, chose, because he's laying a trap. Yeah. He essentially sends them to the room that the incident took place, the original, like... It's another prank. room 17. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for your returning motif for it. But it's set up. It, there's a shotgun trap set up. Yeah. If you open the door. Yeah. So they go in. Um, then 
this is where so this is where I I was watching this and this is where it gets all muddled to me because then there's police and um, then he like his truck he kind of like drives the truck through the the hotel yeah and they get away and they think he's dead but then they then they're like getting treated for their wounds and they mentioned oh well this psychopath was an ice truck driver. Yep. And then Out of Wyoming. Yeah, and then he starts talking on the CV again, and that's how the movie ends. Yeah. So it, it, it they are whenever they're he tells them where to go to the hotel. Somewhere along the way, they had they had called the cops. Um, I don't remember the specifics on, but somewhere along the way, they either say it or it's implied that they had called. And no, I felt like so for me, and I I watched it. I had to re- rewind a couple scenes because I kept feeling like there were a couple spots where I felt like I missed five minutes of the movie. I know because uh, I went looking for it. I know that there are some spots where some scenes were cut out because there are there's this uh, implication that Lily Sobieski's character is interested in Steve Zahn or she's interested in Paul Walker. And, and they had scenes shot for both of them and didn't use either one. So that thread kind of goes nowhere yeah that that subplot really because i thought they were going to do a thing where like she messes around steve's on and it causes some problems and then that just kind of yeah and and like they were going to and then they ended up cutting that out i'm i suspect there are some other scenes that i know there are some other scenes that get cut out and there's like four alternate endings um one of them I read was like 30 extra minutes. I'm like, yeah. what What did y'all do? <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to remember. There's two of them where one of the endings is uh, one of the cops gets sideswiped by the truck and Steve Zahn takes the gun and starts shooting that sort of stuff. And it, later on, he, he goes on to become a cop. I don't know if they did it with a time skip or what. I haven't I've read about him. I haven't seen him. There's another one where Rusty's basically just thrashing the hell out of Paul Walker and Steve's on, and then you hear this loud boom, and Rusty collapses, and it's it's Lily Sobieski standing there with the shotgun that he had rigged up to point at her. So she got out and got the gun and shot him, uh, and I don't remember what the other two are. It sounds but like I, they there's the best of the options for the end. Uh, it sounds like it because I think it was like the one that screen tested the best. <laughs> Probably. Well, it feels like it feels like so when, they, when you're talking about all these deleted scenes, it feels like they did. Like, I feel like the first half of the movie is really focused and mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed that. And I still like the second half. But when you start talking about all this extra stuff they cut out, then it starts making sense like, oh, they lost focus. That's why I had trouble mm-hmm. with the second half. Yeah, they're maintaining the thread, but there was so much kind of packed around it that they lose it a little bit. Like, even, even, I enjoy this. Go ahead. Even when she got abducted, I was like, what the fuck happened to her? And I rewound. I'm like, oh, they just didn't show it. OK. Did they not? No, I they just they showed their, him picking her up out of the in the cornfield. No, they kind of show the corn shaking. OK. There might or be an arm, they, but it's like you really can't tell what happens. You just it's like implied. Okay. But um, 
Yeah, so I thought I thought it lost some focus towards the end, but that makes sense that they deleted a bunch of scenes, probably for runtime or focus testing. Yeah. Now I gotta say, there's there's some pretty good acting that actually happens in this. I think there's there's a scene we kind of glossed over, but where it's where Rusty is humiliating the two guys by demanding they do something, and you have Lily Sobieski's character sitting in the car just talking to him on the CB, but she's like emoting and, and she's basically acting super well by herself, holding a CB mic in front of her face. No, I thought this was, I thought this movie in general was well cast and well acted. Um, despite some of the flaws in the ending. Yeah. I, like I said, part of why I enjoy it is that it's, it's very, it's, like there's some stuff that you're like, uh, that's that's implausible. But then there's you're like, it's just barely into the implausible realm, so it doesn't lose you. You know, it it it, it you'd be like, okay, he could probably guess which direction they're gonna drive, but how did he find their exact CB, right, to put in the put in the trunk of their car and that sort of stuff. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, it's like, no, but on the other hand, maybe like, it's just plausible enough to keep that, um, atmosphere kind of tension and dread going. I feel like when the movie was keeping it simple is when it was doing the best. When, yeah, cause there's, there's, it's pretty clearly there's two acts. Well, there's, there's, Two halves. Duh, there's two halves. We're kind of a dumb statement. There's the, there's the, there's the post, there's the pre him showing up, like, in the the, the, the truck, and then there's, like, the post first encounter. Like, that, that's how the movie breaks up. I had taken it, the way I split it is before they pick the girl up and then after they pick the girl okay. up. Yeah. That's, that's how I look at it. But. But it. I don't know. Um, what did you think about some of its flaws, Matt? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't necessarily care for this movie. Um, I don't know if it's because I I almost feel like I'm kind of jaded. Like, I I feel like I just want movies that are, like, more gory or more, like, suspenseful. And I felt that I understood they were trying to go with, like, more of, like, a psychological thing bent but i don't know it wasn't clicking with me i also felt it was kind of dated like it very it felt very much like a a, like a child of its era like the early aughts which Mm -hmm. sounds weird because it's like that's almost like too recent to really like get a flavor but to me i feel like it did like it It reminds me of that it was viable to not have cell phones in that era still yeah yeah yeah. And computers uh, don't really play a role in it. And actually, it kind of predates, like, super gore in your horror, so that kind of also affects it. So this is kind of, like, pre-gory horror. Well, when I say that, I don't I don't need, like, what came not even that long afterwards, like, hostile. The yeah. hostile movies. Like, I don't need that. I don't need what has been described as, like, uh, torture porn. Like, I don't, I don't I call need it gore that. Porn. Like, that. Yeah, I don't need that. Uh Although that said, like, I actually probably liked the first Hostel better than this movie, even though I don't think that that's a great movie in Hostel. But um, I don't know. I did think that one thing that I, I really didn't 
care for. And I think that that's maybe partly where it started falling apart was I don't think they ever should have shown Rusty Nail. No. Like, that... and, and they did. And the problem is like they used uh, Ted Levine's voice throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. And then they showed Rusty Nail and Rusty Nail. I mean, they didn't like they didn't quite hover on his face and appearance, but they did it enough where it's like he looked like the singer actor Meatloaf. And it's like <laughs> I you're just showing me like a big, greasy, burly dude. Uh, and the voice of Ted Levine, I don't feel f- like fit with him. And I'm not, I'm not like buying him as like imposing or scary. Like it's, it doesn't work. No, because part for of me, what, it didn't work for me. At least. Part of what made Buffalo Bill so scary, since we're, I'm just comparing because it's the same voice, is that he wasn't a big guy. He was just this fucking creepo that hung out in yeah. his basement, like looking at himself in the mirror. So what? Just for for the sake of argument, Matt, what kind of person would you have used for the visual of Rusty Nail? I never, I, w- I would have never shown him and just, so you could even like theorize that he was some ethereal creature like that. That would have been better. Okay. But to the extent that you're going to show him at all, then if you could do this in a way that you're just seeing like his back, like, well, maybe because but then even then you're like seeing like his size like you if you could get away with just showing like his hands mm-hmm. and just showing maybe like his lower quarters and by that i mean like the knee and below maybe okay. a silhouette maybe, like, like, of boots, his profile see, like, boots, yeah, boots walking your way or a silhouette or you see like his hands doing stuff but like not his like actual physical body enough of his body even though that again they didn't linger on his face but you got to see enough, and it's like, yeah, it a lot of times, yeah, and, and this happens a lot with like monster movies or slasher movies. It's like once you see, mm-hmm. once you start see, the more you see, the less effective it is. I feel like the less you see, it, the more like effective because then you can imagine anything. Yeah. Um, and they talked about this in, in horror movies before, but uh, there's a movie that actually was kind of contemporary to this, and it wasn't like it was more gory, but it wasn't like torture porn but it did have and then obviously like it's uh it's kind of had a reputation since then because the director uh, oh, have, have, oh have, i know exactly which one you're talking about it's the same it came out the same year looking it up uh yep. jeepers creepers have you, have you guys seen that yeah yeah yep yeah okay so the premise of jeepers creepers is that like some siblings uh i think they're traveling on spring break and they're driving through the country uh, and then they get tailgated by an old truck, and they, for some, I forget why, but they like they they as they're traveling, they see the truck on the like parks next to like an old building, and they go investigate, and they just find like bodies, like dozens of bodies, and then the truck starts chasing them and everything like that. I it's it's the I felt like for the first half of the film it's really suspenseful because you realize like, Oh, there's that this dude in the truck is killing people. Yeah. And it's like a horse. Like he's like a serial killer. He's killed like so many people and now he's chasing the protagonist. And then halfway through it changes to where it's like, Oh yeah. Jeepers Creeper is actually like some sort of demonic entity. And now he has your scent. Now he's going to chase you. 
yeah. and they start showing the the creeper and yeah. everything. And I still feel like it's a decent. I actually feel like it's a decent movie, but and I liked it at the time. But once they showed the creeper as like a monster, yeah, then it 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 started being less effective to me. Like I still felt it was like a decent enough movie the way it was done, but it was like really, really creepy, really psychologically driven. It, it was scary, and then they showed the monster, and it's like, oh, I'm just watching a monster movie. It's I feel like, like, like I feel like that was like a staple of that late '90s, early 2000s. Um, let's call it horror boom. Is that they all did? They all kind of like fell into that problem. Where they were all like enjoyable movies, but they always like fucked something horribly up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I off the top of my head, I can't think of any additional examples. Because I think I think I don't particularly like it, but Blair Witch Project was always smart that they never showed. I I actually like the first one, the original one, mm-hmm. only because if you actually do. If you can appreciate the psychological horror aspects of it, I did think it's creepy. Uh, like when they're out, they're out in the in the woods, like established miles away from everywhere else, and all of a sudden, like the wind kicks up, there's some environmental disturbances and everything, and all of a sudden they start hearing like the children like laughing. And to me, I'm like, this is the creepiest damn thing, because it's like you're in an area where that's one of the last sounds you should be hearing. So hearing that, like, there's some weird supernatural stuff going on right now. But I just, yeah, I, yeah. that's that seems to be a staple though of um, modern entertainment because when we were kids, like, I'm I'm gonna go cartoon here, mm-hmm. just to, to give an example of like how it should be done. Like, so when you watched Inspector Gadget, you never saw Doctor Claw. If you watched no. the Lorax, you never saw the Onceler. And yeah. it, you know, it didn't, it, it made them more interesting because you didn't know what they looked like and you would like imagine and think about it. And, um, I don't know why modern Hollywood's like that because even like with Inspector Gadget, they have to show Dr. Claw now with the one slur, they have to show the one slur now. And yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't really understand that myself, but. And I don't understand. Do they just think people are? I think they're the problem now is they, every Hollywood's convinced that everyone's stupid, and I don't. Uh-huh. I don't understand why. And, it, it really well, affects entertainment negatively. The, the ironic thing is that, like, I, I feel Hollywood itself is like aggressively stupid yeah. most of the time. I, I this just popped in my head, but around that same time, around like turn of the century, uh, did you guys read the? Uh, I don't know if you've read this book, but did you read a uh, House of Leaves? No. It had it had it's first off it's a super long book, so it, it would take you some time. And it was done, it was done in a really unique style. Uh, it basically it was like several narratives in one, but it was done in a weird way where it's almost like you're you're looking at it through at some parts of it you're looking at it. It's like uh, it's being written by a schizophrenic. Uh, there are some where it's like you literally will turn a page and it's like instead of simple text on a page that at least in American um, style, you know, left to right reading. No, yeah. it's like it's done in almost like a spiral pattern around the page where you have to like – it's it's just weird stuff. But in that, um, there is, part of the whole uh, 
it's almost like a cosmic horror story. But part of it is there's a there's an entity in it which is set up as potentially like the big bad or at least a, a, a prevalent entity factor in it is this thing called the the Minotaur. Okay. Uh, and it's kind of there's motifs of like the old myth, you know, where it's like the Minotaur in the maze, the labyrinth that you have to escape from. Right. Uh, and they never show it. They never even really describe it. And it's left almost ambiguous at the end whether it actually ever existed or it was just like a, a you know, something in people's minds, like schizophrenic mind. I don't know. It's weird, but you never actually get to see it. It's just kind of implied. And that kind of is almost like a staple of uh, of like cosmic horror. Yeah. With like eldritch abominations where it's like it's sometimes I feel it's more effective in actually just like implying stuff or suggesting things because then your mind like fills in the gaps like a puzzle piece and you can always almost always like conceive something more horrific uh than actually is you know there in front of you well look at the original psycho that hitchcock did like there's a lot of implied stuff there yeah yeah that's his Um, motif though is because um i think i don't know if he ever said it directly but the idea is that they're never going to be able to show something that is as horrible as what you can come up with in your own head. Because you're going to, if you build it up enough to make it awful, then you're going to personalize. If the buildup is enough that it's awful and bad and you're telling them this, then you're going to personalize that awful into the thing that you think is terrible. And so whatever you come up with for you is going to be just personally horrendous. Yeah. So I think I think that actually did hurt it a lot with showing him. I thought they weren't going to show him, and then they did, and I'm like, come on. Yeah. Because I think you could even get into stuff like if you'd done it right and implied it just right, that like he was the actual truck. Like you could have, you could have like left that open to mm. interpretation and stuff. It's kind of like. Um... Uh, was it? I don't remember who made it, but the movie Duel. You're never sure if there's someone in the truck or if it's just the truck itself. I think that one's kind of a grounded movie, so for it to be just the truck itself would not exactly fit. But you're never certain. That's become like a cult classic. You know who directed that, right? Was it Spielberg? Yep, it's one of okay. his like earliest films. I was trying. I, I was sitting here going, "Is that a Spielberg movie or not?" And I couldn't remember. But um, was that before or after um, Jaws? I want to say that was before. Okay, then that I, I figured that that right there was the crash course he needed to keep Jaws on course when the the shark prop wasn't working. You know, you know, in modern Hollywood, Jaws would never get made now because they would not have the confidence to make the um, the ocean part as slow as it is. Yeah, it, it part of um, part of like you said, part of what I like about this is that there's a lot of there's a lot of dead. There's some scenes that are just dead space because when you're out on the dro- road driving a long way, it's just quiet and kind of dead. Mm-hmm. One of the most maddening experiences of my life was driving across Kansas at one point, and it's it just it drove me crazy because it was just straight. 
And it was I could have hung a crowbar from the steering wheel and taken a nap and minus anything happening with the cruise control, nothing really would have changed. Um, And so you have some of those scenes where the the kind of dread that we mentioned earlier on top of the loneliness and the monotony kind of in there together. So even this may not have been made the way it is, um, as opposed to it being made 20 years ago the way it it, with what we have no because my niece wanted to watch jaws when she was like 14 or 15 i'm like okay well we'll watch it but i'm gonna warn you this is made in the 70s and and i was like you know movies in the 70s are a lot different and a lot slower so i'm gonna warn you it's slow but she she enjoyed the whole thing yeah i suspect i don't have anything to back this up but i suspect that there is this idea that whenever they focus group stuff, if people don't understand it, it's too complicated. So we've got to dumb it down to the the lowest common denominator. We can't have like big big budget stuff can't have too much nuance because then people won't get it and then they'll hate it and they'll say bad things well, and other people part, won't go see it. Part of the problem is they also they don't make anything with just America in mind anymore. Everything has to be no, we have to sell this everywhere, and it has to be China-friendly. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. you don't get nuanced stuff because they don't want it to not translate to another culture. That's why in, like, comedies now, it's all, like, big body, like, physical comedy and oh, stuff okay, like yeah, the original yeah. Ghostbusters that's, like, dialogue-based. Um, they don't do that anymore because, because you know style of comedy is not necessarily universal. So like you might not be able to do like that sarcastic or dry comedy and it translates to say like India. Yeah. So, but you know, fart jokes are universal. So that's why you get that (laughs) stuff now, but that, that's why a lot of that gets dumbed down. Like there's no, um, they really stripped like culture out of the movies too. Yeah. So go ahead. So, but I, like I said, I think I think the problem too is that they don't they they think if the audience isn't like being you know distracted twenty four seven in a movie that then they're gonna get bored. And I also think that's part of the problem. But I also think the runtime of movies is too long now because they over exposition everything because again they think the audience is stupid instead of just like you know showing and not telling which saves you forty minutes versus oh no we can't we can't we can't do that because people are dumb. So we have to tell and not show. Mm-hmm. I, I, I actually can't stand that now. Um, the movies are too long, which I, I don't know that I would have thought that when I was younger, but I do now because it, it, it look effectively before it would have been, if you had said like, Oh, movies two and a half hours long, I'd been like, Oh, okay. Like I'm getting my money's worth getting more content but it's like nowadays it's like no i i don't want that because i don't feel like they can maintain like a narrative well and and when we were kids though that was that was a a fair rarity like when you think about Mm -hmm. when you think about like braveheart braveheart was known for being long and i bet that was only like two hours and 45 minutes or something like it would be an average length like superhero flick now yeah I'm looking, I mean, I'm, looking, I'm looking that up right now. Uh, I, you got, now I'm curious. 
I have wanted to watch the new Batman movie. Uh, and I, I've heard from several friends and, and people that I know and trust, like they have, they've gave me hours, 58 minutes. Yeah. yeah I, I want to watch that, but it's like, I know in my reality, it's like, I'm going to have to break that up. I'm going to have to watch like at least over two nights. That's, uh, kind of where I've been is from hearing it. What was that? That, that one's 176 minutes. So it's about the same length as Braveheart is, but it's like, Look, that's you're asking a big time commitment. You know, that that can be and the the other frustrating, I don't know if they do this in the Batman or not. I honestly haven't looked that closely, but do they if they recap his origin again and it's just like, no, I'm going I can fast forward through this cuz I don't need that now. No, um, but like Wonder Woman 84 is only 27 minutes shorter than Braveheart. A completely worthless filler movie is only is less than a half hour shorter than like one of the greatest cinematic movies of the 90s. That is. Yeah, that is just too much. Um, uh, the nice thing I can say about joyride is it it's 78 minutes it's it's an hour and a half you know it's it what's what's the runtime what is it 97 minutes okay here's one here's one so you guys have both seen the first highlander film right yeah okay you feel like that's a pretty complete movie that explores his backstory really well right so tell me of this scotland of which i know nothing it is (laughs) It is Isn't he supposed to be like a Spaniard in the movie too? He's yeah. supposed to be a Spanish Egyptian or something. Yeah. It is it is an hour and fifty one minutes. Okay. For Highlander, which I, I feel like is is the right length, but would be on the longer side of what you would consider a movie back then. But I'm saying it's like you got that really in depth look at his life, blah de blah blah, and you know Yeah. It's under two hours. And you get like that's my problem is you get you get like romantic comedies now that are like an hour and fifty minutes. Yeah, no. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't need that. It, we, I, if I was running Hollywood, I'm bringing back the ninety minute movie. Oh, I would too. I, you can you can get away with uh, you can get away with longer for some things. Like I think some like comic book movies, big budget comic book movies, some action movies, some dramas. If you want to do like an hour 45, two hours, like, okay. But like comedies, horror films, things like that, 90 minutes. Comedies, romantic comedies, like 90 minutes, 90 minutes. That's the sweet spot. It reminds me of uh, a story that Kevin Smith had when he was from working on Cop Out and Bruce Willis was there. And he's like, we get there for the first day of shooting. And I'm like, all right, which, which scene are we doing? Well, we're doing this scene it's on this page, and Bruce Willis takes the script, looks at it, he flips it through it for a second, he goes, Chuffa, and he starts ripping pages out of it. And Kevin Smith's like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, it's Chuffa, we don't need it. And he goes, okay, you're using that word, I don't know what it is. He goes, so you've got these people, they walk into the room, they're like, hey, how are you doing? What kind of morning you have? What do you have for breakfast? Oh my god, that's a bomb. He goes, why are they having all that conversation before you get to the bomb? It's Chuff. And he just he would just rip apparently just rip that out of the script and say, I'm not filming this. And in in not having the restraint of 
like you said, Matt, if we say it's 90 minutes, you got to stay focused and stay on task and get point A to point B without meandering around without with some weird something you're trying to weave into it. Like if you're going to weave it into it, you got to You better do a good job weaving it in. Well, there's some movies like you're like 45 minutes in and you haven't even gotten to the plot yet. Yeah. You ever been sitting in a movie and you hear a bunch of people go, <sighs> I, I have an example. I have an go example. for it. This past this weekend, my wife and I watched a Halloween Ends, which was the uh, the last in the modern Halloween trilogy. Yeah. Um, and I have I was able to watch it for uh, I'll air quote free because you have, you have to pay for the service. But I mean it's. It's cheaper than an actual like movie ticket, which this was released in theaters too. But Halloween ends the third, and it's like a two-hour-long uh, movie, and I swear to God, like nothing, in my opinion, nothing of consequence happened like the first hour. Nothing. <laughs> and honestly, like I felt it was by far the weakest of the the trilogy. The way uh, the if, if, People want my quick review of the Halloween movies, the, the most recent ones with uh, they basically rebooted everything. Uh, yeah. That it's they're all like sequels to the original movie. It kind of rebooted things from then, like the yeah. first movie. The first movie uh, was canon, and then it just kind of in this timeline. Everyone's it, trying to piggyback their vision off the second one and pay yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis a bunch of money to come back. Yeah, it, in 2018 they did the first of these, and it was basically like a you know, starting from act it like it was supposed to be effectively Halloween too. Anyway, that one that was good though. No, that Halloween in 2018, good, yeah. actually good to the point where I came, my wife and I watched it in the theater as we came out of it, and we're like, wow, this was actually really good. Second movie, which was Halloween Ends, uh, made I think during and delayed because of the pandemic, not good, not good at all. But I wouldn't say it was like god awful terrible just wasn't good this one i it's edging towards like terrible yeah not good that first movie was a complete story in and of itself and it's like okay this is great we can stop here perfect and then the studios are like you know it made a lot of money yeah that but you know you know what the other thing modern hollywood does that i fucking hate and they're all guilty of this now is um the second jj abrams star trek is a great example is um benedict cumberbatch is obviously con and the whole audience mm-hmm. is like oh that's con they're like no this is totally not con and it's like okay yeah. whatever like and then like at the end like haha we were kidding it was con all along and it's like right guys okay that exact thing happened we were um me and a bunch of friends my wife and i and a bunch of friends went to go see um dark knight rises when it came out and there's all this talk about how uh Marion Cotillard's like, well, no, 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 that's not Talia al Ghul. That's not who that is. You, you might get that impression, but that's not who it is. And we're sit, I'm sitting next to my buddy, one of my best friends, one of my comic book buddies. We're like, what? When you first introduce your character, oh, this is such and such. And, and they're like, oh, we want to say thank you for coming aboard. And she's like, yes, I believe balance is very important. He now look at each other and go, Talia. And guess what? It was Talia. Talia al Ghul. It's like, hey, how long do you think this deception is going to last? They just did right. that with Sauron and um, that stupid Lord of the Rings TV show. Oh, did they really? Like everyone, the first time he was on screen, everyone was like, oh, that's Sauron. And then they pulled the big 
the big unearned reveal of haha it was soaring all along and everyone's like mm-hmm. okay guys whatever yeah 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 i think we said that no i didn't watch rings of like i've watched the original lord of the rings movies it once it literally and, it literally even the critics gave up on defending it and everyone just admitted it sucked i haven't seen it yet um maybe I, eventually i i thought about watching it but everyone says it's just boring like that's what a lot happens. of people said and i seen some people be like oh like people waxing poetically like oh the sauron reveal was was amazing and everything and it's like everything i read it's like it's not and they're trying some people are trying to make it seem like oh like sauron was actually the good guy like galadriel was what? Like, not the good guy like she she like uh, bullied him and it's like okay like no he's like the deceiver in this yeah in this universe He's basically the analog for Satan. He's like the the biggest bad, the broad deceiver of people. It's like he everything he's doing is he's doing as a deception. I don't know. I, yeah. I eventually, but I have like a hundred different shows the, I watched. I had that. I lost uh, faith in their ability to do it because obviously the writers want to do Game of Thrones really bad, um, and their handling of Wheel of Time really didn't give me faith that they could handle epic. Fantasy. Yeah, I'm 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 going to be on as as a uh, I don't know what term you want to use, but as a Wheel of Time, like long term Wheel of Time fans, I'm watching it. And I'm like, this is not what I wanted. But, you know, I'm going to keep watching it like the next season comes out. I'm going to keep watching it. Uh, it's it's just going to happen. But. You're not going to – it's because I am so invested in it that that's going to happen. But, yeah, I'm not going to watch Rings of Power. I don't care. It looks you know, like it – watch... it even looks bad. Like, you watch the, the trailers and stuff, and I'm like, it doesn't look good. It looks like – that's the other problem I have. So, my wife is watching a Korean drama right now. Well, kind of a comedy drama. And I'm watching okay. it with her, and I don't really care that much about it. But I was just watching a bit of it, and I'm like, you know – that looks better than anything I've seen put out in America in a long time. And I'm 99% sure it's because they're using real sets and real locations. And it's not all like green screen, like modern uh, Hollywood is. It, okay. So we're recording this on uh, October 25th, which is a Tuesday. It'll, you know, it'll drop later, like tomorrow or uh, shortly thereafter mm-hmm. today on October 25th, they released the trailer for Ant-Man three um what's it called like quantum quantum, quantum leap quantum mania <laughs> i don't think they can call it quantum i'll leap. tell you something brother when you step into the quantum mania quantum mania brother uh and, and scott bacula would be a great ant-man it's um <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting to me because they're like i think the main villain or one of the main villains is uh is kang uh okay. which is kind of that's kind of like expanding things from uh, from Loki season one. If people haven't seen that, like Kang is basically revealed at the end, but it's not really Kang. It's uh, a different character, but he's also Kang. Uh, they kind of in that they established and you kind of saw hints of this in Doctor Strange 2 and in uh, 
kind of like Spider-Man is that they basically have created this the, what the phase of Marvel that is now is what's called the multiverse saga where they have they have created like the multiverse like that's an, a thing now in Marvel which has led to all sorts of things they I've even heard rumors where it's like oh we're looking to try and bring Robert Downey Jr. back as Iron Man and uh, it's theoretically possible because you could just tell like oh yeah it's an Iron Man from a different universe I don't know but I'm interested to see kind of where they're going with this, even though I'm really burnt out on Marvel. But I watched the trailer, and it's not even like a terrible trailer per se. But I'm looking through it, I'm like, oh, like 95% of this is green screen. No, mm-hmm. Lord, Thor Love and Thunder was like that. We haven't seen it yet, but like the the, the trailers look god-awful because it's all obviously on green screen. Like it was fine when they were in space. But there's like a scene where like Natalie Portman and Thor are talking like on the street and it's obviously green screen mm. because they're, because the problem with green screen, especially the way Marvel's doing it. And a lot of them is even if they're faking scale and size, your eye knows that there is, it's contained in a small area. Mm. Like that's the thing. I don't think Hollywood understands with green screen is people don't like it visually because it looks wrong. It's why 60 FPS didn't work because people were trained for the the cinematic blur. And when mm-hmm. people keep saying they want to, like when Hollywood keeps trying to push that, it's never going to work because people's brains aren't trained to deal with that. It looks wrong. It looks like a home movie. Yeah. Is, is the thing. And I, I said that once when it was on TV and my friend's like, oh, they shot it in 60 FPS. So you don't have like the blur between the stuff. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. But at least from where I am here and now, it looks to me like a, you know, it looks like a home movie. It better produced. Uh, maybe that's, you know, unfair or something, but that that's kind of where, kind of where I was at the time. I think that's, I honestly, I honestly think that's part of why Top Gun also did so well is because that movie is mostly practical effects. Mm-hmm. And I, think, I wanted to see that in theaters, and I never made it in time. Because if you uh, want to, it's still out there. It's still out there. Is it really? It's yeah. still making money. And it's it's not only is it still out there, but because I, I will look sometimes to see what movies are doing at the box office and on Box Office Mojo, and it's not only still in theaters, it usually comes in in like the top ten. Yeah, it's still chipping right. away. I'm looking at I'm looking at my local theater right now. It's uh, it's one of the highest domestic grosses of all time. That's not no, even that's yeah. Right now, the stuff that is playing at my local theater, um, Wakanda, well, Wakanda Forever, that's advanced tickets. So Black Adam, Ticket to Paradise, Halloween Ends, Smile, Wild Lala Crocodile, Till. There's apparently two theaters that are playing the one piece, one piece film Red, Don't Worry Darling, uh, Pray for the Devil, and Barbarian. That's hmm. how many idiot studio execs do you think told Tom Cruise that Top Gun Two would never work? I figure that's why it took him so long to get it made. Well, Tom Cruise is... essentially funded this, didn't he? I don't know. 
It, it might be that they looked around at the nostalgia boom and were like, "No, this is gonna we this is gonna make money. We got to do this." Looking but, at uh, looking at the the box office this past weekend, it had dropped to number fifteen. The previous week, though, it was in the top ten. Wow. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's still making money. I think though, if it was obvious nostalgia bait, they would have done what nostalgia bait thing is, where they just use the old characters to sneak in the the backdoor pilot characters that they actually want to use going forward and top gun didn't yeah. do that they didn't make the old characters look like garbage but i think um i'm hoping i'm hoping with the success of top gun too that this means hollywood stops putting out cynical garbage all the time and we can get some variety and tone i figure there's got to be a swing back at some point but yeah. I don't know what it would be. Now going back to Joyride, I do want to say for so I would give this I would give this a mild thumbs up. I did enjoy it. Um I will say I think it's better than almost every Rob Zombie directed movie other than um Devil's, Devil's Rejects. Rejects, yeah. I uh I it it is my like I said, it's my favorite um it's not even really necessarily a horror movie. It's I guess it's more of a. I'd say it's a suspense probably, movie. It's more of a it, suspense thriller. It seems like it's categorized as a horror movie, but I would not label it as a horror movie. It's right. uh, it it is more of like a suspense, uh, thriller. Yeah, because because the the horror the the point of the movie is to make you dread the brief interactions they have with him. Right. I'm gonna. This is a, kind of a non sequitur, but they're. I mean, they kind of categorize like Silence of the Lambs as a horror movie. No, it's well, not. Some people do. It's not horror. It's like that's not a horror movie. That it, it is a a drama. It is a suspenseful film. Uh, it's a thriller even that has like some horrific elements, but it's not like horror. Mm. And the, the book's worth a read if you've never read the book. So is Red Dragon. Uh, yes. Yeah, they're good. But yeah, but uh, I, I would say I would say it's in the same category as Silence of the Lambs. Like it's a suspense psychological thriller is what I would say. Uh, I would not give this a thumbs up, but I don't because I didn't. I, like I said, I didn't really like care for it, but I I would not give it a thumbs down. To me, it's just like it's just kind of there. It's probably like. I didn't like it like like Shad did, and that's okay. <laughs> but I think that that it's something that it's like if it's on TV and you're just like flipping channels, it's like all right, let's just like you know watch this for like a, throw this on for like an hour and a half or so. Yeah, and it's inoffensive. Is or it? if you've never seen it, you could watch it like you can watch it like again, it's a pretty quick movie, and it is better made, better acted, better done than a lot of like low budget horror movie stuff yeah. or suspense movie stuff out there. So while it didn't really captivate me, like I would not say that you're going to watch it and have like a bad time. And it gets, it's gotten like a good, it's gotten favorably uh, reviews from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, so it's not as if I, me saying like, oh, I didn't really like it. Uh, that's my opinion, but yeah. I'm, I'm almost like an outlier where it's like, it, this seems to have been like well received by most people. Now that doesn't mean like oh it's their favorite movie, but it's been well received. And if like three fourths of the people, you know, like it, and I'm one of the people that's like ah oh, not for me, then that just means only I'm in like the fourth. So <laughs> it's still like a 
a pretty decent movie. So what you're saying essentially though is like, I did not care for this, but I don't think it's necessarily bad. It just did not work for me. I didn't necessarily care for it, but odds are other people that watch it probably will. Like they'll probably walk out of it feeling like, oh, that was uh, worth my time. Which really, like nowadays, it's like that's probably you're doing good ideally, if that's what you. Yeah, like ideally, <laughs> like you would want to like a movie, but if if you walk out of a movie being like, oh, like that wasn't like a waste of my time for an hour and a half, two hours, then you're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it, I feel like a lot of I see a lot of stuff now. It's like, ah, uh, why did I spend the money, the time, and money on that? Th- this kind of fell in like where Freddy versus Jason fell in for me, where it's like I I came out and like this is better made than that, and it has better quality of writing, but. When I went and saw Freddy vs. Jason in the theaters, I thought it was going to suck, and it didn't totally suck, and I was like, oh, I got my money's worth out of that. I never watched it again, but I was like, oh, that was a fun little romp for an hour and a half. Uh, but that's kind of where this falls, and I didn't have any expectations of it. I didn't really hear of it, so I'm like, oh, this is like a second, a mid-tier, early 2000s movie, and where... It surprised me was the casting, the acting, and it looked pretty good for probably the budget it was shot on. It's an oddly period piece. Because like you said, it's a time when everybody didn't have a cell phone. It's a time when um, CBs were, you know, more commonly used than they are now. You know, truck drivers are still using them because I don't know if it's tradition or it, it. it's convenient. It, that's who it's supposed oh, to be you still for have, anyway. I bet you still have your ham radio you, operators out there. You, you do, but – and then um, kind of also a product uh, – when I say period piece, also location piece because it's the western U.S. with long, long empty roads and that sort of stuff. So early – you know, two thousand around 2000, that part of the world, long cross-country drive – yeah, that makes it, it. That all fits with it. I don't. Um, I don't think Wyoming's necessarily changed much uh, since this movie happened. I had been to Wyoming before this movie. It's still cowboy not, country. Yeah, not a whole lot. There. I I fell asleep there. We woke up. I thought they were stopping for gas. We were stopping for gas. Everybody else had gotten out of the van. I get out, and then I turn around and look, and oh, we weren't stopping for gas. That's Devil's Tower. Uh, <laughs> there's no, not, there wasn't much around it. Well, no, you go to you go to Wyoming because the Grand Tetons are awesome. That's why you go they to are. Wyoming. They they really are. They are. I I, I think I found which uh, there's there are certain spots where you can get this amazing view of them, and I think I had found where we had gone and this the view is staggering um it's really super impressive but there's just honestly not a whole lot there it's more interesting than kansas is but um you know there's just not much there so we know what chad's review view is is going to be thumbs up yes i like it yeah it's i think if you don't go with any expectations it's not it's it's fun it's it's i enjoyed it like i said i had fun with it so so there you go um 
Well, I guess if we average it all together, we can call it a mild recommendation. I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, if you're looking for an off the beaten path, uh, you know, suspense movie for Halloween for you, then there you go. You said the sequels uh, suck, right? Don't bother with the sequels because the sequels are like, OK, in this one, Rusty is like, OK, you've wronged me. I'm a, the, the sequels are like, oh, you flipped me off in traffic. I'm going to I'm going to wreck your car, kidnap you, drag you in the back of my truck to somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And then one of them, he makes them play dice and whatever die rolls up, you have to do something horrific to one of your friends. It's like, OK, do they show him more in Seriously? the sequels? I think so. Ugh. Yeah. So just just don't. That's always the, that's always the um, the telltale sign of a horror movie, though, is the well, the first one did better than expected. Let's just run this into the ground with like right. increasingly worse sequels. Like Final Destination was really bad about that. I, it interestingly wraps up wraps around at the end of the last one, though, in a way that I don't think anybody expected. I, incidentally, on the topic of this, if I have heard correctly, it might be that the Friday the 13th lawsuit's finally over. What was the thir- Friday the right. 13th lawsuit about? Ownership of the characters, because there was the original owner, there was the guy that wrote like some of the later stuff, and then there was a studio involved, I think. I can't swear to it. But who had ownership of which characters and that sort of stuff? Who owns the and TV who's supposed to be getting royalties of who? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you on that. But I, remember, um, I used to watch that on Sci-Fi, I think. Or somewhere like that. But there might be there might be another Friday the Thirteenth movie that shows up. I was going to ask that. That was going to be that question. Like, if they're actually going to do another one. I think I think so. Don't hold me to it, but I think so. Did you see the one that was made like in the aughts? Jason the last one that was made. No, they recast him for like one like in the late aughts, I think. They 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 tried to reboot the franchise. Oh, the Rob Zombie Friday the Thirteenth. No, that's the Rob's, Rob Zombie did the Halloween. Yeah. Well, it, it it looks it looks like a Rob Zombie Halloween as Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> it look Rob Zombie Halloween uh, is not really Michael Myers stuff because it's, it's like it's it's not no it's no. not it's it's like oh it's the same guy we gave him a backstory it's like don't do that it's that misses it's not. the point it's Rob it's, Zombie movies should just be. They should just be a sequential movie series of sequels called Crazy Hillbillies. That that's exactly the problem there. It's like every every like every Rob Zombie movie, it's uh oh and then the villains they're gonna be psycho hillbillies. It's like okay Rob like you already did that you did what that did what did my people do to you Rob yeah, what did we did do that, you did that with like the last ten movies so can we just move on. Yeah. You know, at least Stephen King mixes it up, and sometimes it's a lamp monster. I was about to make that joke, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing this too long, haven't we? Yes. No, they they recast they recast they recast Jason, but the guy they picked did not have like good body charisma, so it didn't work. Ah. Uh, they okay. they they kind of struck out recasting him, and then. They really struck out when they recast Freddy for the, the attempted reboot oh, of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If if you haven't seen the reboot, it looks like they made it in 2009. 
um, it wasn't a good movie. No, they got because uh, they they kind of picked a stiff to play him, and like I don't think I'd have to go back and watch, but like I you know the original Jason had personality, mm-hmm. and this one was just like he's just there. The, the one thing, the one thing I liked about this, the 2009 remake, is they actually they had Jason fight or be menacing in a way that actually like to me made some sort of logical sense. Okay. Like he acted. I won't say exactly like this, but he it was like he he fought and he acted. Not like a UFC fighter because he's not doing like Kimuras and, and, and other <laughs> shit. But <laughs> double like takedown with the yeah, machete. He's not, he's, he, but he was like moving around and like doing stuff which made sense to me. Like he seemed more like a real life uh, physical. Uh, it's it's inappropriate. It's not accurate to say like like a spec like a special option like that. But it's like, he seemed like he with purpose because a lot of times in these horror movies, like they'll do like a move and it's like, Oh, I'm going to pause and look at you and make a funny face. And it's like, no, like he just seemed like he went out there to be actually like a brute force killer. Just like kill and mm-hmm. do things to, to wound, to maim, like to physically hurt his opponents in, in a way that would like, you know, they wouldn't be getting up to, to challenge him. Like, it seemed a little bit of that. And I did not think that otherwise the film was that good, but that I liked. That was, like, the one aspect of the character. I'm like, oh, yeah, he seemed like a believable, like, threat. Wasn't he, like, using bear traps and stuff in that one? Uh, I don't know. It's been, like, it's been, honestly, like, ten years since my, I've seen it. My problem with Fair rebooting enough. Jason, though, is... um. I don't want to have to. I really like from the originals, like the progression of his character. Like he's not in the first one. He doesn't have the hockey mask in the second one. He gets the hockey mask in the third or fourth one. You know, it's it's a progression to his look and character. And he actually mm-hmm. gets he gets more proficient at killing from like the second one into like the the third and fourth one. But. Uh... Yeah, supposedly they're developing a, a new Friday the Thirteenth movie, so we'll see, see how, how that goes. goes. Yeah, see if they're gonna try and add motivation, or maybe he's not that bad, or just like for God's sake. You know, you know what else? God, let villains be villains. I can know. I add? Uh, can I add like a, a fun fact? Go for it. <laughs> uh, Jared Paladecki was in that movie. Okay, he's like the star of the, of the movie. Uh, with Daniel, Danielle, uh, kind of what is her name? Let me look up her name. Daniel, okay. she's like in Flash, um, the Flash TV show. Danielle, Hannah Baker, yeah, Patta Baker, um, who is like a twin, and the twin, like, I think briefly, like, acted, and then, like, she stopped. Uh, Jared Paladecki mm-hmm. has an br- older brother named Jeff. Uh, and they grew up they're I think born and raised in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Okay. Where my wife is from. And they're like a little bit at least like Jared is like a little bit younger than my wife, but my wife like kind of knew them. 
Really? Yeah, not like I don't think that they went to school with her, but I think that they they were in like enough of the same circles, either like like when they were older teenagers or like in college that like she knew of them and not like that whole here. There's that famous actor because it was like way before that. But she was like, oh, yeah, we'd like I knew who they were. Oh, okay. (laughs) So there's that. My wife is like oddly known people that are kind of celebrities. Like she knew like uh she knew Juan and I think Julian Castro who okay. politics. One I think is still like the mayor of uh San Antonio. One's like a um one was in the Obama administration. Uh one like ran for president. It was the same guy. I don't know. But my wife like knew them. Uh like back in the college days. And she's like, Yeah, one of them asked me out and I didn't do it because he was ugly. <laughs> no. <laughs> Burn. So before we go, so, do we want to take like just let's say five minutes here? Do we want to talk about the abysmal raw ratings and the fact that we are in the midst of yet another Baron Corbin push that's already failing? Uh, and they're wasting JBL on him. I guess JR, JBL, this most recent raw, JBL helped Baron Corbin defeat Johnny Gargano. And are we to assume that 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 JBL is going to now be like the manager of? No, he Baron, announced or? he he is his manager because he like introduced him and stuff the raw before because they so their <sighs> idea their idea of getting this new Baron Corbin over is to put him in like a 14 minute match with Dolph Ziggler and then put him in like a 13 minute match with Johnny Gargano. Look, uh, not that I would like endorse this, but. Why, if you're gonna do something with JBL, like why don't you have a guy like Cameron Grimes? If you like bring him up to the main roster, you can bring him up, and you can have him like JBL be like his manager. Somebody like they, they someone that has upside. Yeah, has upside, and also that they're trying to like establish as like a a star. Uh, Put someone like him with JBL, like he would probably get a little bit of heat. People just don't care. Like that, they, they Corbin has been around forever. They've no one like has ever had a reason to care about him. They're not going to start caring about him just because he got a new hat. I've heard, I've heard rumors that that all like H, uh, Triple H really is trying to do is just have things consistent enough uh, that when it comes time to like sell if they are going to sell that it'll be sold to all make it like a boatload of money, but like it will basically cement his position as like, uh, the, the guy that they're going to go with. Like he, he's, you know, the new Vince, but the idea is like, well, I will kind of permanently be the new Vince because if you're selling, that's you're going to sell to like Peacock and BC, et cetera. Yeah, you might you would argue that it's like, well, you know, who's going to run your company? Why not be me? Look, I've like I've, I've kept, kept things sh- steady. Yeah, I've kept the ship steady for like the last like two, three years. Yeah, but his, uh, he, he's not keeping the ship steady, though. It's the ratings are worse than last year. They are steady ish, maybe. But it, yeah, that's kind of been. My theory, uh, not based on a whole lot, but as well as, you know, 
he's wanting to bring people back because that drums some more interest, but he doesn't want to change. He doesn't want to go full experimental mode with changing things up too big because then they won't. It's like if if things dip before they go up, then they're not going to get the buyer they're looking for kind of thing. It's like it, people are more likely to buy the known quantity. It's like, well, this is what they do consistently, and he, it does this, so we can make money off that. He kind of cribbed what AEW was doing, where they were trying, where they were going from like surprise to surprise to surprise, and we were all kind of like, well, you know, this is fun, but this isn't like a sustainable model for business. And now he's I, kind of doing that, except he's doing it worse. I think that they they did that for a stretch and then were trying to transition into a more sustainable thing when the gripe bomb happened and blew everything up. Yeah. And it's like, well, guess we're – hey, Mox, uh, sorry, bud, but uh, we're going to need you. But but I was looking at some of this stuff like – so Karrion Cross has only wrestled on TV twice since he came back. Dexter Loomis has yet to wrestle on TV. Like Gargano is already like an afterthought joke because they're just booking him terribly. I I even think Bray's kind of already they've already kind of lost the bump Bray gave them and Braun really did they, nothing. And they're already like they're signaling at least the rumor is that they intend to have Bray be like the top babyface on SmackDown. And I'm not even hating on Bray uh, at all. I'm just like. Bray's, how are you, you going to do that? Bray's probably best as like a special attraction. Attraction like he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be like the focal point, and he shouldn't be like out there every week. Like, I so what are you going to do? Are you going to have him be like uh, in a long feud with Roman, or like what are you going to do? <laughs> well, the problem with Bray too is, um, Bray's not like an amazing worker. So if you're going to if he's going to be the top face, that means you're going to have him on TV wrestling a lot. And because it's the, you know, the newer era where they have to eat time, that's going to put him in long matches, which aren't really his forte. I don't really think he's a great face worker to begin with. I think he's better as a heel generally. And I think where he's really good is in tags and stuff. Yeah, well, thinking back like Shield versus Wyatt family was crazy over and people popped big when Wyatt family won that. So they may be looking at it going, we could make this work. I'm just not sure that they can. The thing is though, he's at, he's at his best when he can pick his spots and get his, his shit in like that looks good. But like where, like, I mean, are people really going to be interested in like a 15 minute SmackDown main event with, um, Bray getting shine and giving heat and looking like a putz because he's now a face. Yeah, I. The only thing I can hope is that things would be a bit different. I, 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 I don't know what, I don't know how, I don't know why, but just hope that maybe, just maybe things get to be a little different. I feel like Bray should exist outside of your mainline continuity. Like you should have, you should have the uh, WWE stuff, and then over to the side you should have. This is what Bray's doing. This is who he's feuding with. This exists in its own stratosphere and does not touch anything else. 
and it can be whatever it wants, but it doesn't like interact with this other stuff. I think that's like the best use of him. Kind of a kind of a Cody verse thing. Yeah. Maybe. Um, to be honest with you, I I quit trying to figure out how to book him. It's just like I don't know. Well, whatever. We'll see if see if it works. I would figure that him coming back would probably involve a fair amount of creative input from him with people who are more likely to listen to what he's trying to say. Um, cause there's, there's no way like when, when he got canned, they were spreading the rumor. Oh, he's tough to work with. And that's probably cause he was pushing back on creative from being like, I can't do this, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't know. I just I'm perplexed by it because I um I look at the results every week and I read like the recaps. I'm like, this just is boring. I don't. I, I haven't even been reading the WWE recaps it, lately. I it, just... It's like it was before. Like nothing happens week to week, and it's more coherent now. So people just call it slow build. And it's like no, it's just it's boring. <laughs> I think that'll about wrap us, right? Yeah. We about, we about done. All right. So everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this episode. Um, I believe we're going to be leaning towards some more of the uh, Dangerous Alliance stuff here in the near future. Yeah, I think next week, unless something happens, we're going to try and get the November Clash of the Champions in. So we'll be leaning into that. And... Um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to get that in and progress on that project. Uh, but if you've got if you got requests, throw them our way so we can we can uh, work those in. So to everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this episode. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth and we will catch you next time.